This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey, all cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, it's never too late to say this. Happy birthday. Ah, oh, Josh, thanks. Thanks for remembering. <laughs> it, it's true, even though I did force you to go to multiple birthday parties for me over the, the long holiday weekend we had here in the States. Yeah, how many did you have in total? You had, what, four, three? At least well, three. Uh, yeah, and my coworkers actually gave me a cake today, so... I think I'm up to 25. I've, I've had an, as, as many birthday celebrations as how many years I am not old. <laughs> uh, well, happy birthday, Brandon. And how did you feel about the internationals? I felt like uh, I hate this. Uh, you know, I, I'm not the only person to feel this way, but I hate the international break, this first one. Uh, it always comes on a little too soon. I'm just I'm just I'm excited for the season to start, especially because you have all of these these last minute transfers and loans and you're dying to see how it all works out. And, you know, it seems like one point five million managers or something like that. It seems like our, our wild carding right now. Uh, so, um, I, yeah, yeah I did you watch it. Well, I totally agree with you. It's uh, the the first three weeks of the prem. You're just so stimulated. You're working on your team. You're just enjoying watching the games again. And then not only do you have the international break, but it's the closing of the transfer window, which we're going to talk quite a bit about during this episode. But there's all that information that you're trying to download, and basically all the fun. Is is taken out of football for a good solid two weeks. It wasn't even a good international break. I feel like there, it was a weird mix of like every match was on at a different time. It was impossible to know when anybody yeah. was playing. When you're in the states, usually if there's a, a Concacaf qualifying match, it's going to be played in the evening time. We're all you know in the same hemisphere. But Friday it was the U.S. versus Saint Vincent and the Grenadines at. <laughs> Oh, when a Premier League game would be happening over here, it was 3.30 in the afternoon, I think, was the kickoff. <laughs> that, that was the one match that I watched, Josh, and I, I actually felt dirty watching it because St. Vincent and the Grenadines, I think they're a nation of 180,000 or thereabouts, and, you know, they're a real ragtag group. 
uh, you know, they've got these really um, boring kits. They don't have their names on their shirts or anything. <laughs> and you know, these guys are all holding down full-time jobs outside of, uh, outside of playing the game that they love. But the right. U.S. just went out and savaged them uh, without <laughs> even trying. And I was trying yeah. to just find, find the fun in that. I mean, the, the, the fun in that yeah. is to see a, a young guy like Christian Pulisic, who we both like, um, who plays for Borussia Dortmund. He's a young American. You see, you see guys like that for your national team get runouts against the, the lesser sides. Yeah, I think I didn't Spain beat the Faroe Islands 10 to nothing, too. So, yeah, it was just it wasn't even one of those. Maybe because we've had so much football. We've even had a lot of um, international football in the last year or so. You know, we've had... Uh, I guess we've had two Copa Americas in the last, you know, 15 sure. months. And, and the, Euros, uh, the Euros, Euros, and Yeah, exactly. So it's not even like we're building up towards anything. It feels like there's been a ton of international football and not enough, you know, actual league football. So, yeah, uh, we're, yeah, glad to be, you know, just a few days away from, you know, from I think, what is it? I think there's five fixtures or something like that before the next uh, international break. And uh, one thing, we're, so this episode we're going to talk about um, – Mostly, we have a few questions at the end um, about other topics, but we're mostly going to talk about uh, transfers and loans. Uh, something that I think is really important for uh, lots of different reasons. Um, one, because a lot of people are wildcarding right now, and uh, when you're wildcarding, um, it's not just the obvious players you're looking for, but you're looking for those, you know, fourth and fifth defenders, fourth and fifth midfielders, uh, players who are coming in who um, might give you a bit of an edge, right? Somebody who maybe um, someone like, you know, Borja from um, you just moved to Swansea, who might be an interesting player that isn't really in anybody's radar right now. Yeah. And maybe he's not even someone you want to bring in during this current wild card, but come game week eight, you know, you might want to. I want to bring this, him in. So we're going to talk about like the, all those, uh, It's like the types. waiver wire episode, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's kind of interesting. I have to say, I, I put together um, a, a big chunk of the running order last night, uh, and I was actually planning to only do half, um, and I was going to force the other half on you, but I was actually having yeah. so... It speaks to what a true nerd I am, uh, <laughs> that I was having so much fun that I was up late into the night just adding uh, different loanies and uh, and signed players to all of these teams. So we're going to go team by team. I, I thought it was less the fun you were having, Josh, and more just the lack of trust that you have in me. <laughs> uh, probably a little bit of both, to be to, to be totally honest. Uh, so wow, we're go you went there. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. No, you and I, I actually think we're pretty... Um, over the, I, you know, I think over like fifty episodes, I think we're like sometimes you do the running order, sometimes I do it. Um, it is I a think truly I, democratic division. It's of been very favorite. democratic so far, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I so I, I know how much less help I'm going to be in about three weeks. <laughs> uh, so with the, with the baby on the way, so I think I'm probably trying to do my my best right now to, you know, to, to pick up my end of the bargain or whatever. Is that right, an expression? Right. Pick up my end of the bargain. Keep up your end of the bargain. I think Keep would be the, the, the technical bargain. expression. Wow. It's like I, it's like I didn't grow up speaking English or something. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna we're gonna go team by team. Um, hopefully, we're gonna do it pretty pretty rapidly. And I don't anticipate this being a you know three hour podcast. Uh, you know, in some cases, um, we're not gonna talk about players that we've already signed. We're not gonna talk about Nolito or. Um, or Paul Pogba, you know, the kind of players who have already played several matches of their team. We're going to focus on the last, you know, week or so of the transfer window. Uh, there's a ton of action, a lot of, a lot of important loans, I think, too. Um, and then after that, we're going to talk about uh, Ozil versus Sanchez, uh, which is a big question a lot of managers are debating right now. Uh, we're going to talk about Sergio Aguero, Brock Toon, 
And um, and then I think we just have a couple more random questions after that, and uh, that's it. Uh, before we get started, though, we have a few announcements to make, Josh. And these are some special announcements for everyone who is looking for new ways to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we have just had our feed approved by Google Play. And as of as of us recording this, I still can't find our pod searching through Google Play. I think it's still being <laughs> indexed. But hopefully by the time the pod is live here, we'll also be live on Google Play. But we'll absolutely post that link on uh, social and our website, alwayscheating.com. So for all you Android users, hopefully that makes your life a little bit easier. Also, we are now on Acast, which is an up-and-coming uh, podcast provider, and they also have an app that you can download to your phone, and yet another way for you to listen to me and Josh on Always Cheating. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, I'm very excited. I uh, Acast, I just learned what it was, and uh, it looks pretty cool to me. And real quick, Josh, before we start, I have one other announcement. Um, I'm on my wild card this week. Oh, you are! Wow. Yeah, I, pulled I did. The trigger. Not, I did not know that. I'm surprised I didn't take a look. I uh, <laughs> okay, good. So we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about then as we get into this episode. So uh, I guess as it to, stands now, one of your, one of your hosts is on a wild card going into game week four, and one of your hosts is not. So you're okay. going to get two. You're going to get both sides of the coin. Just to, to frame the uh, the the transfer loan talk for people who are listening, I think uh, to make to give more of an FPL slant, I've got a couple of questions I'm going to ask at the at the top here. Uh, one comes from uh, Mohamed Al Kiasi. He says, uh, "Are you facing difficulties balancing between head to head and classic league strategies? I need a wild card, but I don't want to lose my head to head." As someone who just wild carded Brandon, are, uh, was that a factor at all for you? I mean, were you thinking you might lose eight points, and that probably knocks you out of? Uh, the AC Showstoppers League or uh, <laughs> the 50-buck cup? Uh, it's true. I mean, both of us were in um, a number of head-to-head competitions. So I am in tune to dropping dropping transfer points is 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 dooming your head-to-head team for that week. But I really do believe it's, it's early enough in the season that you can lose a few head-to-head matchups. And there's plenty of time. Uh, particularly if you're getting your squad heading in the right direction for the coming weeks. And uh, I I just don't think you lose that much. For me, it wasn't part of my logic. My logic was more, frankly, I'm disappointed. I was really concerned that we were going to see wild fluctuations in player prices Mm -hmm. over the last week. And you just haven't seen that much at all, if if anything. And so I I do feel a little burned by that. but for for me, it was more. I I really uh, did not like um, my front line with Andre Gray, his mm-hmm. his whole fiasco aside, <laughs> and it looks like he might yeah. even be set to play in game week four. He just he's I just I don't think I'm sold on him as a player, and I wanted to okay. do some retooling with my midfield. So there are a lot more a lot of other factors beyond head to head for me. I, I think that's fair. I mean, I think that you know burning four points. Um, it often is about changing your team long term but i also think in the short term it usually helps too i mean i i wouldn't typically burn four points if i thought i was going to be getting enough you know often a long-term move can be spread out over a couple of weeks and you don't actually have to burn those points um so i i think that if i'm burning four points i'm probably going to have more points in that first game week anyway so the the classic league strategy is almost is, is usually the same as the head-to-head league strategy anyway 
Um, and I've actually found that there, ha- there have been times when I haven't taken a point hit in the past to, to do better in a head-to-head uh, matchup, and, and it came back to bite me anyways because I ended up having to play uh, you know, my fifth midfielder who came on in the 70th minute and got me one point or something like that. We had, um, a, so, we, we, yeah. we had a question that came in on Twitter from Chris Morin. He says, worth a hit to ship stones for Baines? And I think this is exactly what we're talking about where – there, are, there is a move like that that looks um, like an almost immediate payoff going into game week four, but there are so many slip-ups that can happen with defenders, and right. a minus four is probably only going to earn out if Baines gets a clean sheet there, and, yeah, and he, even if he does, your net gain is, what, only two points anyway. So, And so, can you just see... It? Like that's a match where, like, in the 89th minute, Jermaine Defoe, Jermaine Defoe is going to just do one of his Jermaine Defoe things where he hasn't done anything all match and he gets like the smallest window opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and he scores and Everton goes on to win, you know, 3 1 instead of 3 nothing because of this. And he this pulls his goal. jersey up to reveal a t shirt that just says, has the words <laughs> goal bonus written on it. <laughs> I mean, he basically scored a goal like that in game week one uh, in the yeah. uh, the Man City match. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Another question comes from uh, Jeff Petter. He says, um, uh, question for the pod, uh, for those wild carding and premium, for those wild carding with premium midfielders back in form, is it a case of Kuhn or Ibra? Now, is this something that you, um, I assume that Kuhn is not in your team. Brock Toon, excuse me. I assume that Brock Toon is not in your team uh, right now. No, right. Brock Toon is no more. For those who are really deep into Brock Toon lore, he is uh, being stored in a in a glass jar in my basement <laughs> at the moment. Uh, no, yeah, you, you have to think about it. And I have I have gone in uh, right now. My wild card team. I've gone in for some premium midfielders, mm-hmm. but I accept the fact that one of these premium midfielders I'm bringing in will have to be will have to be let go in the next month or so when Aguero becomes healthy. So for sure. me, it is, a, it, is, it is not a case of one or the other. I am going in with the understanding that I'll probably be back with Ibra and Kuhn. Um, I mean, assuming Zlatan keeps up the, the early season form that he has, maybe it becomes a, a matter of you drop Ibra to bring Kuhn back in. Brock Toon. <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's very possible. Um, yeah, so I I don't know that it's I think it's probably too. I, I think what you said is right that you can um, you can split the difference a little bit and uh, have the midfielders for a while. And w- you know, one thing that I'm considering is um, I still have Jamie Vardy on my team, so I'm considering turning Aguero into someone like Lukaku, and then with that extra money, I could actually turn Vardy into Aguero later on. Um, so then I wouldn't have to actually burn any points. I would actually just keep like 3 million, uh, 3.1 million, whatever it'll, whatever it'll, you know, he'll probably be like 12, nine by the time, uh, um, by the time he's back, maybe even 12, eight. Um, and so at that point I'll bring him back in and, um, and then I won't have to burn any points. So I think you could do that too. I mean, I, 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 I'm not planning to stash Aguero away. Um, but I, but I also would like to find a way to bring it back in without having to burn four points inevitably. So, you know, we'll see. Like the best laid plans, though, right? Like I'm sure. Well, I think it'll be too enticing to to turn Nathan Redman into Mesodozel or something, and yeah. I won't be able to resist. I think this is why a lot of people are wild carding as well. I mean, the the Brocktoon suspension uh, is the biggest factor uh, in people triggering it. But game week three um, asked so many questions of us. Game weeks one and two, we thought we had had it figured out. 
uh, three goals apiece from Zlatan and Aguero and midfield Arsenal midfield wasn't firing. So we didn't really have to spend any money in our midfield. Game week three comes along. Suddenly Arsenal midfield and Hazard it has come true. We've got to spend money in our midfield. Uh, Zlatan blanks. Brock Tuna is suspended. Suddenly <laughs> all the, the power, the paradigm has shifted to the midfield. And I admit that I probably am panicking a little bit with my wild card, and I'm trying to answer these questions that were asked in Game Week 3. (laughs) Frankly, we don't know the answers to yet. Isn't this a great—I love the way the season is shaping up so far. It's really—it just feels like a—I don't know. It's it's a demanding season. And like it sounds like a complete nerd here. This uh, could be our toughest season yet. <laughs> but I mean, there's there's kind of something for everybody, you know. <laughs> like yeah. like some of the players, some of the hot hand, like Leroy Furs have kind of stayed hot for a while. And so you've, if you if you know oh, if you're if you're kind yeah. of you know if you're like one of the if you're kind of new to the game and you rushed and picked him up, it's, it's, you're you're having some fun. And if you if you had you know Ebron Aguero to start the season, like those guys have really come off at least at least in the first two weeks. And now, you know, all of the sort of you know, common sort of common logic about this season has totally shifted after they both blanked and he suspended, just like you were saying. And so it's just fun. It feels like um, we don't know what the season's going to look like yet. And I really like that feeling. I had a dream the other night, and I, I swear to you, it's true that uh, Kapue scored again in game week four. <laughs> so it is written, I have dreamed it. It's like wow. a Jimi Hendrix solo that came to me in a dream. And uh, so. So don't drop Kapoor just yet. We are really, we are really, we are true nerds, aren't we? This is really. <laughs> yeah. All right. I dream in foreign languages. I, I dream <laughs> in, in FPL. I dream in Watford ease. All right. Two, two more uh, questions or whatever. Uh, two more something. Uh, one is from Fat Gorelli says, uh, what, players are out on, what players out on loan, if any, do you think represent good value? And Sushant says, which of the summer signings should be considered if you're wildcarding? And without further ado, let's do this, Brandon. Let's do it. If you're, play- if you're playing your wild card or you're trying to find under-the-radar value, here is our team-by-team guide of recent loans and signees. Signings. Signees. <laughs> They're both. <laughs> so in alphabetical order, uh, Associated Football Club Bournemouth always <laughs> comes first. And here, I think, is, is one of the top contenders for possible value proposition. Jack Wilshire. Already dropped in price, five point nine million in the FPL game. Is but but the the big uh, questions obviously will he? How often will he play? And how often will he be injured? Right. It's you know it's he's a little bit like, and I don't mean to compare him to him because he's a much better player, but it's a little bit like Ryan Mason, where it's a, a talented player is leaving a top five club or so, and. Um, and you're kind of excited about what they can do, you know, if they get if they get you know a regular run out week in and week out. Uh, but a lot of what you what you're doing is you know actually basing that on just how how talented they are, what kind of potential they have. I mean, I was shocked, you know, we looked back at the last, you know, he's actually been in the league for at least like a few minutes since the 2009 season. Um, and the most goals he's ever scored in a single season are three. Uh, the most assists he's ever had in a season is. Um, 
five. He had he had once in, in 2013, he had no goals and five assists. Uh, in the 23, 2013, 2014 season, he had three goals and four assists. Uh, but I think we can both which agree. Season, which season was it when he had the goal where he almost kissed uh, Giroux afterward against Norwich City? I think that was the 2013-14 season. I mean, that, that uh, was yeah. an amazing goal. But that was yeah. a team goal. I, I, I think, to your point, that was an amazing team goal. And we can talk a little bit more about this when we get to Ryan Mason. But how much is Wilshire flattered by playing in an Arsenal midfield? And he he does seem to have a bit of like a petulant attitude. And how will he respond? If you see this with, um, well, it's it's not quite a like for like, but Jordan Ibe comes to Bournemouth and he comes from, you know, good pedigree. Liverpool, is he going to come in and be the man in Bournemouth? And I think the same question will be asked of Wilshire. Yeah, I, and I think Ibe is – it's a case of a player trying too hard right now. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Ibe helped hasten your uh, your wild card decision. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it was it was Gray, it was Ibe, it was Gaston Ramirez, who I, I just didn't really like the way he looked the last two games. Yeah. There were, pl- there were plenty of guys I was looking to offload. Now, I do wonder if Wilshire coming into the Bournemouth midfield suddenly raises Ibe's value, if there's going to be – a little more interplay happening in that midfield. Yeah, you know, the, the we got a question from Spurs EPL champs 2018 on Twitter, and he said, you know, with the addition of Wilshire, will Callum Wilson see a resurgence in FPL form? And I think that's an interesting question too. Uh, it could it could end up benefiting both I I Ben Wilson. Uh, I think it's a great signing for Bournemouth. I, I think it's a it's a slightly curious signing for Wilshire. I think that he probably would have been better served going to a place like Roma or like some place where he could really um, kind of break out of his style a little bit but you know people love eddie howe yeah i was just gonna say i have to assume eddie howe had uh, so much to do with that move and he probably really had a connection with wilshire uh yeah so i'm kind of i if i were wild carding i would at least think about wilshire uh he's he's on he's on my radar for sure i mean it's they have a pretty good run of fixtures i actually like it a little better after game week six um they have a they play, they play West Brom in game week four, which is uh, – it, it's like a so-so fixture. I mean they, they could probably win that match, but I don't see it being like a 3 nothing win. Or it's probably like – that's, like that's got like a when nil all over it, you know, one way or the other. Right, and now uh, that it looks like Pulis is still going to be there um, uh, playing his Pulis ball. The, the the odds of Bournemouth scoring get less yeah, that, and less. that was kind of a weird story, wasn't it, about Pulis? Like – it was like – it was a strange like back and forth about whether he – um, whether it's, he didn't get the signings approved or there, he or he didn't approve other signings, it was a weird story. It's shaping up to become a transfer window cliche. Is is Pulis being upset at his club and threatening to leave? So uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess that's just the world we live in now, to eternity. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, one other player I wanted to, I wanted to note on uh, on Bournemouth is Mark Wilson, who is not a very good player. I will I will happily admit, but he's um, he's a four million defender, uh, inconsistent player at Stoke. He'd have runs where he started and runs where he didn't. Um, so he actually uh, so he signed with them maybe two weeks ago, and he actually scored the winning goal on his first match for Bournemouth. It was League Cup match. And if that guy can get into the side, then I think he's definitely a player to keep an eye on because 
as we all know, a four million fifth defender is a uh, fantastic thing to put at the end of your bench. Uh, I would not be playing Mark Wilson week in and week out, but there are at least a few fixtures where I would definitely play Mark Wilson if you know Bournemouth had the right fixture. I mean, their defense was was okay last year. It was pretty. They they've, they've looked really poor to start to the start of the season. So well, I the, think the like, benefit of the Bournemouth would be there for him to join. Yeah. Bournemouth's defense last year, it was their offensive output, that Bournemouth defense. You had Charlie Daniels on uh, on penalties. Every single one of those guys put in a goal or two, or or it was Simon Francis chipping in with some assists. Um, my only issue with Mark Wilson is that his head looks like a thumb. Uh, he, has, he has one of the strangest, highest foreheads, but somehow his hairline is, is perfectly straight. I mean, it's serviced by the Caesar cut that he has, but yeah. uh, I, I still haven't. How, made... how, how tall do you think Mark Wilson is? If I, if you had to guess, uh, I would guess six two. Yeah, he is six two. I feel nice. like he looks from his picture. I feel like he should be like five eight. I see him as I. I feel like he should be the height of a fullback. For like, I don't know. It's not that's that weird head. It's like that that's forehead a short gives back. him gives him that extra six inches. Or yeah, however many inches to get from. It's a very short neck and a very very long forehead. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Let's move on from Bournemouth. Well, I, okay. Uh, but just ser- seriously though, Mark, if Mark Wilson doesn't even doesn't start, he is one injury away from being in that being solid in that starting lineup. So even right. if he doesn't start in in the starting eleven right from the get go, he could easily find himself uh, a, a real asset. You know, four weeks from now. Exactly. And I, I did put the call out on Twitter before the podcast uh, for Bournemouth fans to, uh, to to chime in and let us know your thoughts on, on Mark Wilson. And it was crickets. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're a Bournemouth fan and you have thoughts on Mark Wilson, let us know. Find us on Twitter or Facebook and we will, we will, we will get the word out. Uh, or maybe you don't want us to know. Maybe you want to keep it to yourself. Uh, just DM us then. You know, we'll keep I- it private. I just had a very funny thought about Home Improvement. I don't know if anybody overseas uh, ever watched the American sitcom Home Improvement, but you know the the next door neighbor. His name was Wilson. Uh-huh. And I'm just and but you never saw his face. You only saw the top of his head. <laughs> yeah. If it was Mark Wilson who actually lived next door to Tim Allen, it was just his thumb, the top of his thumb head poking up over that fence. That's funny. That's that's not bad. I'm not laughing, but I I, I see where you're going with that. You're not turning away either. I'm not turning away either. All uh, right, what's all right. next, Josh? Arsenal. Uh, two two late signings for them. Uh, they, these are signings that have been long long rumored, and uh, well, actually, the the Perez signing was was a little uh, came together kind of quickly. But uh, Mustafi uh, is uh, is officially an Arsenal player. Uh, one of the I think it was the third largest signing for a defender ever, uh, maybe for a central defender. Uh, and he is uh, 24 years old, uh, has 12 caps already for Germany, uh, scored six goals in 61 matches for Valencia, which seems like a pretty pretty high goal rate. Uh, from what I have been able to gather, I mean, I, I won't pretend that I've seen Mustafi play in a Scott million matches. Scott Dan numbers, basically. Scott Dan numbers. But he is, and he's, he's priced at a very reasonable $6 million too, as, a, as an Arsenal defender. I imagine he's going to slot right in. Uh, from what I've heard, he, he's able to play out of the back pretty well. So he's able to start the attack. And I, uh-huh. I don't really know what that means, except it's going to help his pass completion numbers, which should uh, help his bonus points a little bit. So that's at least something to keep in mind. Um, and if we start seeing him as a bonus point magnet, then that might be one of part of the reason why is that he's, he's comfortable with the ball at his feet, uh, which I, not always players. I hesitate to say that six million is reasonable. I mean, for for a world class defender on a world class team, yes. But I feel like we're a little spoiled 
uh, with 5.5 million defenders like Valencia mm-hmm. and Shaw. Uh, six million is you really have to want to squeeze him into your team. That's that is fair. Um, would you, here's, suppose, a, here's a question: Would you would you choose Mustafi? Uh, you still have to wait and see, but over Bellerin. Well, I, I guess I would because if I'm going to have Aguero and Zlatan on my team in game weeks, I know not the next two. Um, I need that 0.5 million, so so I would in that case. Um, okay. Although you could argue that who I really want is Nacho Monreal, uh, who you can get for for the same price as Mustafi. Okay. Monreal, Monreal is also six million, so maybe maybe Monreal. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, Koscielny too is is also six million. So I mean, it's I don't know that I can really confidently say that I that Mustafi is a better FPL buy buy than Koscielny and and uh, and and Monreal. Now Monreal has like a little bit of a, I'm seeing he's got he's got a red flag right now. He's got a knock. Yeah. The the. The Whatever that means, knock. Who knows? Yeah, could be knock. international breaker. Could be. I feel like he, yeah. he he truly does have a knock, but but. I think Kachelny is still the best value in that defense. Uh, at six million, uh, you know he's going to play basically every single game week, um, and uh, gets the occasional goal, uh, bonus points, magnet. Uh, that's that's who I would be going with, but I, I do like I mean, Mustafi. I think just as an Arsenal fan, I'm excited about that signing. So, yeah. you know, I we'll see. Right. From a, I think you're right too. Yeah. It'll it'll come down to bonus point distribution with Mustafi. Murtasaker, yeah. who Mustafi is basically uh, Murtasaker reborn, um, because he got his he he had so many headed clearances every game because he was like eight feet tall. Um, yeah. He clocked a lot of baps, and Mustafi could be this be the same. So we'll wait and see. How do you yeah, feel we'll about Lucas see, Perez, it, though? Well, I'm I'm excited actually. I mean, I, I the question is, I mean, I'm not sure if he's going to start uh, every week or if he's, you know, is he going to start weeks on, weeks off? I, so he scored 18 goals in 37 matches for uh, for Deportivo last year. He's 27 years old. Uh, apparently, he's a very direct player. I mean, again, I mean, Perez is a little bit like Mustafi, where I, you know, I, almost everything I know about him is just stuff I've read in the last, you know, few weeks um, as they, you know, got close to signing him and then ultimately did last week. Um, so he's he's apparently he's kind of a late bloomer. Um, the comparison that I've heard several times is the uh, he's the Spanish Jamie Vardy. Uh, so Thomas uh, Thomas Vardy. Direct player, comfortable playing through the middle, but can also play as a winger. So I think there's at least a chance that you could see him playing in the wing in some matches over over someone like Theo Walcott. Um, and then you could have Walcott and Giroud uh, together. But Perez would probably be a more attractive option in that case because he's uh, half a million cheaper. Well, he's got Jansen syndrome, right? Jansen priced at 8.0 for Spurs. How could you justify bringing him in? And the same with Perez right now at 8.5. I think I call that botch. Bachiawi syndrome is what I'd call that. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, I guess we we have a we have a glut of uh, strikers that, due to their minutes, are overpriced. Uh, even even he, though he, they, what? Oh, sorry, um, he missed a penalty today, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, against um, against Cyprus in the Belgian game, Bachiawi missed a penalty. So there you go. You, obviously, you got to get Trollkaku over Bachiawi now. <laughs> Uh, do you have any thoughts on Lucas Perez or, or Mustafi for that matter? I mean, Mustafi is a more intriguing FPL asset to me because, you know, Arsenal is going to have a long run at some point in the season uh, for clean sheets. But the striker position has always been a problem for Arsenal. And just because they brought in the Spanish Jamie Vardy, I'm not convinced that that's solving their problem. Yeah. And therefore, 
my my focus will remain on the Arsenal midfield, and if I'm spending money, it it, it has to be Sanchez, Ozil, or or a mid a mid priced option like Cazorla. Uh, I I I think that I agree, but um, if Perez comes out of the gate firing, um, uh, it'll be. I don't know. He's like on the. He's a watch list player. You, you can't. I, I don't think you can. You can really bring him in right at the start. Oh, but I think don't, he's, don't be ridiculous. If Perez shows up and scores a brace in his first game, then there you go. Bandwagon, bandwagon. <laughs> sure. load, uh, sign me up. I'm there for sure. For sure. Uh, all right, uh, Burnley. Uh, two two players here. Uh, neither one. I think we have to we have to spend too long on. Uh, first one is Patrick Bamford, uh, five million loanee from Chelsea. Uh, this is he's very only exciting. Really... This is this is the twentieth club he's been loaned to, in in <laughs> in the last two two or three seasons. I'm amazed that they haven't just let him like sign with somebody else. Maybe, maybe he wants to stay with Chelsea and make it work, but it's not happening, right? He said this is like three training camps in a row now where he's tried to tried to win a spot. I mean, how, I mean, how long yeah. is his contract for? That he, they must be paying him so little money, and he have, he has no contract leverage, and they're yeah. probably just making money hand over fist, loaning him out to all these clubs. Yeah, that's probably yeah, exactly. Well, I, I know you know one, it came up a lot during this uh, during this window, like you know the record number of loans, and part of the reason why is because the wage bills are so high for these players that they can't get anybody to to buy. You know, Yaya Torre is basically still playing for Man City because no one else wants to pay him three hundred thousand dollars a week. You know, <laughs> until and so uh, they can't even loan him anywhere because he's that expensive. And so uh, you know, all these other players they get loaned too because there's just you. Know, you I'm sure Banford was available for sale. If you know Hull City came to the table, you know offering fifteen million or something like that, because um, it's not, with something with Bamford, you're going to have to sell high, right? And it, unless if you wait too long, it's a it's a Will Zaha situation where you know you kind of had a chance to make twenty five million off him, and then two years go by, and suddenly he's he's basically getting given away to Crystal Palace because you know it's it's not happening for him. Yeah, Bam- Bamford will be selling cars somewhere in a few <laughs> years. I'm sure of it. But yeah. also, what what chance does Bamford have to get into uh, that front line with Sam Vokes, my main <laughs> man, scoring yeah. against Moldova over the international break? Well, you know, I mean, so they, okay. Here's the, the only reason I even added Bamford is because yeah, you know, they they play a two striker formation there. If Vokes or Gray goes down, if Gray gets injured. He's a five million option. He's someone to at least keep an eye on. He he actually was so you know two years ago for for Middlesbrough he was we're he was fantastic. We're getting it down, Josh Middlesbrough. <laughs> he was he was fantastic, and you know I think he was actually the was he the player of the year in the championship? I think he was two years ago. So uh, you know definitely um, definitely a talented player, and just because it hasn't worked out for him, I mean it's hard you know for these for these players to break into. A club like Chelsea, who every year is going to go out and buy. I mean, look at. I mean, a guy like Bacho is like one of the best young strikers in the world. I mean, yeah. even even if Patrick Bamford is is a fantastic player, which I'm sure he is, it's just you know you almost have to go to a place like Burnley and and fight for your spot and and right. and try and like prove you can beat out Sam Vokes for the second striker. I mean, if yeah. you can't if you can't prove you're better than Sam Vokes, then you're you're never going to play for Chelsea anyway. <laughs> So anyway, this has nothing to do with FPL, really, but it's just interesting. Yeah, I mean, you have to tip your hat to Bamford, though, like really trying to make it happen in the Premier League when he could just go down one or two divisions and, you know, have his his lunch again. (laughs) He's not going to go to, like, Wimbledon or something. Uh, the other player I added was just uh, someone that a lot of people seem to rate highly, which is uh, Jeff Hendrick. He uh, 
he joined from Derby. He's a 5.5 million midfielder. Um, he's played for, you know, the last few years, he scored a you know, few goals and a few assists in each season. Um, I think at that price, he's kind of a no-go, but um, just someone to keep an eye on. Uh, maybe he's, uh, uh, you know, if he, if he turns out to be, a, a, you know, a central, you know, more attacking midfielder there, then maybe he's someone to keep an eye on for during a, you know, really good run of fixtures for Burnley, you know, Burnley or something like that. Right. All right, so here's a big defensive shakeup, Josh. Chelsea, they brought in some heavy hitters. Weird ones, yes, it's true. Uh, but you got Marcus Alonso and David Luiz, both priced at 6.0. And uh, you're looking for these guys to plausibly replace some old guard in that Chelsea defense, be it John Terry or Ivanovic. So yeah. uh, it goes back to our Mustafi situation um, where are, are we ready to make room for a 6.0 defender in our team? Well, I, I don't know if I necessarily want to bring either one in from the start, but I know that it makes uh, John Terry a lot less attractive at 5.5 million. Who is somebody I'd, I'd kind of, I don't even, I kind of in a half-assed way kicked around the idea of bringing him in at, the, at last week's podcast. Um, obviously, that's not even on the table now that um, that Aguero's out because um, I just I don't want to burn. <laughs> I you know it's just not that's not I don't know I have bigger problems elsewhere. So I think that. Um, yeah, and 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 you and you assume he's a risk. We were actually talking about this before about how David Luiz being brought in at almost forty million, and with Chelsea not having Europa or Champions League, it's not like they necessarily need squad depth. So both of these guys yeah. presumably are brought in to fill to fill holes in the what Conte sees as holes in the defense. I would say of the two, I'm a little more excited about Alonso over Luiz. I mean, Luiz, I feel like at least will. He'll probably rotate. I mean, that's, that's 38.5 million is a ton of money. And so I, I you, you don't spend that much money on a player to, to hide him on the bench. So I, I, I imagine he's mostly a Terry replacement and maybe I, I suppose you could play him with Terry or you could play him with, um, with Cahill. I mean, it makes, it really makes the whole central defense um, less attractive to me in general. Uh, I think Marcus Alonso is an interesting one though. So he's 23 million signed from Fiorentina uh, as a Real Madrid youth player. Um, he is a Real Madrid youth player and he had four goals and 58 league appearances for Fiorentina. Uh, and I think what's particularly interesting about him is that he is, um, you know, he, he comes from the same, you know, he comes from the, from Syria as does Conte. And so I assume that this, the signing came directly at, at Conte's, um, suggestion or push, you know. Right. So uh, I think that uh, Ivanovic is in a lot of trouble right now. You know, Mohamed Al Kiasi had asked us uh, um, if we think uh, Alonso will start ahead of Aspilicueta, and I, I don't think Aspilicueta is in danger. Uh, but I think that uh, Ivanovic is in a lot of danger. I mean, he looked terrible last year too. <laughs> and Aspilicueta can play on both wings if he needs right. to, and right. uh, because of the certain rotation that happened last season with Ivanovic, I believe it was he. Yeah. He was swapping wings. So Espelicueta is flexible enough to stay within the system. Yeah, oh, exactly. Exactly. Kurt, Kurt Zuma, do we, do we forget about Kurt Zuma? It looks like he's, gonna, he's about ready to come back from his knee injury. Yeah, you know, it's funny because the Conte thing really hurts Kurt Zuma uh, because Kurt Zuma could actually play as a, as a, as a deep line, uh, you know, defensive midfielder, and now there's just no chance of that happening because without without Champions League, Conte is going to play every single match. I mean, maybe right. maybe you bring Zoom in for a 
You know, I mean, I know some of his or, defender, and he's, and he's got Matic yeah. as well to sweep right. up there. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I would say of, of this whole squad, um, of, uh, is still the only defender that I would, I would look at, but Alonzo's kind of interesting. You know, he actually, he, he knows the league a little bit. He was a signee with Sunderland or he's a loanee from Sunderland maybe like five years ago or four years ago. So, um, yeah, yeah I feel like Alonzo we'll had, had an assist, uh, and one faithful double game week. Um, okay. I might be misremembering that, but uh, I feel like I feel like uh, Alonzo probably has has touched our fantasy lives in some way over the yeah. years. I mean, every season, you know, there's like some dramatic late defensive moment for Sunderland that keeps them up, and you know, it's, it's like it was it two or three years ago when Panamilan made like sixteen saves in a nil nil draw away to Arsenal. Yeah. Right. Uh, last year it was the bad Kone who had that amazing run during the uh, during the double game week. Yeah. My my, we were we were looking at the numbers for David Luiza. Speaking of pre seasons gone by, and the one thing that stood out for me for David Luiz was um, in the 2012-2013 season, he's got two goals, two two assists, fourteen clean sheets, and that translates into only six bonus points through the whole season. Yeah, that's very surprising. Very strange. Yeah, you, you would uh, hope for yeah. m- many more bats from a central defender on that kind of form. I guess back in those days, that was when uh, Ivanovic was scoring like every other match. Uh, yeah, you know, right. remember when Ivanovic was like the most, like the the one must own player because he used to score in the first game week of every season. Yeah, right. Big time to go now. Uh, all right. Yeah, there let's was move that on. one season where it was Ch- Chelsea had the double game week to start the season, and then uh, there he was, and he did it. He did it for us all. <laughs> I think it was, yeah, they had a, a UEFA Super Cup or something, right? Uh, all right. Anyway, so uh, moving on, Crystal Palace, uh, Christian Benteke. Moving on to the big boy, Christian the big Benteke. boy Benteke. So we've we've actually seen a little bit of Benteke now. We've seen a, I guess we've seen what about a match and a half from him so far, and um, form. Yeah, he did. He did win a penalty in uh, in the first, in the last match, right? And uh, he didn't actually take the penalty though, which is not a great sign. No. Uh, although maybe he'll be taking them now because they because uh, they actually missed the penalty. Uh, but it was Kabai that missed it, right? Well, it was Kabai so- that missed it. But Kabai's right. a pretty good penalty taker in general, so I, I assume he's still on penalties. Right. Uh, yeah, his numbers over the years have have really they've been a decline. Now they've been a decline partially because he's. Uh, you know, he moved to Liverpool, and he's uh, kind of worked his way out of the rotation. But still, it doesn't it doesn't read that exciting, does it? it goes from 19 goals to 10 goals to 13 goals to nine goals uh, in the last four seasons. And uh, yeah, you know, could make it work with Klopp, which which isn't a huge surprise. I mean, he didn't he didn't sign him. You know, he was a Rogers signing. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's a he's got a great head. You know, great header of the ball. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he's a great striker. He's, I mean, he he scored some lovely free kicks when he was at Villa. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to, I, I liked, at least one. Yeah, I liked him a lot at Villa. I, I owned him for long stretches of the time when he was at Villa. Yeah, and uh, you you owned him for a little while last year uh, at the start I of the got, season. Yeah, right? I I I benefited from his dubious goal in I think it was like the first game week. I remember mm-hmm. Jordan Henderson um, mm-hmm. got the assist. Second game Coutinho, week. Yeah. Coutinho was in an offside position, but Benteke still got the goal. Um, one still burns. <laughs> It does. Well, so, okay. I, so I, I do like this move for Benteke. I'll tell you why. Villa, I think he benefited because he was that team. And I think yeah. 
if he's center stage, he benefits. And that's he, he couldn't fit into the system at Liverpool. He wasn't necessarily center stage. So at Palace, you could conceivably see this Palace team having him being the premier goal scorer. But right. they they have better better pieces in that puzzle than I think that Villa did, Villa team did. It's it, it's a move that in theory is actually really exciting, and I just we have to wait and see if it actually pans out because in theory having all of these speedy wingers, what you need is a big a big dude at the set a target man, you know, someone who can just who's got who's okay with his feet, but can also just head the ball in right. They can head in across. And, you know, we know that a guy like Zaha can't finish, but he's great at getting the, getting the ball into the box and, and you know, get a crossover to, to somebody. Now, the problem is they haven't really had a striker the last couple of years. You know, right. they've had just uh, just a Connor bunch of you know, real th- yeah, third Shamak. and fourth rate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, third and fourth and fifth rate guys, right? Like, so, like people who really shouldn't be in the even like the top <laughs> level or two two levels of the. I mean, Connor Wickham sucks, right? He straight up sucks. I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast. I, I'm, I'm, I'm certain he does. Oh, uh, if, but, if our Twitter yeah. follower account goes down by one tonight, I know exactly well, why. Well, no, sorry, Connor. Uh, you know, I if it makes you any better, Connor, I also suck at football. So you know, it's I, from one from one person who sucks to another. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, are that's, you thinking that, about Benteke at all? Is he is he on your wildcard radar? Have you if you considered him? The cloud that hangs over all of this discussion is that Crystal Palace has been terrible for going on nine, ten months at this point. Yeah, and it, it just seems foolish to invest in that team that has had that long of a stretch of a poor form. And if it's down to Pardew and the classic Pardew burnout, flame out, uh, whatever tire fire then this team could just be doomed and you might yeah. want to stay away from it. Yeah. I think that, um, if he had been on penalties and I mean, we, I mean, thankfully we got the answer right away, which is that he's not on penalties. Uh, that makes him a little less exciting because one thing we know is that Zaha, I keep saying one thing we know, apparently this is like my new, <laughs> I don't know where I got this from. Uh, but we know that, you know, as I said before, Zaha can get out of the box and every season Zaha is going to win you a few penalties and um, I don't know about every season, but I, I think he did it several times last year. Uh, and, you know, if he had been on penalties, it would make him a little more exciting. But because Kabai is still taking them, maybe yeah, not right, quite right, as right. exciting. Uh, like Remy, uh, I don't think either of us are that excited about him. A M H A 9 United uh, says, is Remy a good striker option at 6.4 million? Uh, I think he'll probably play alongside Menteke at the top. Um I don't think so. No, I mean, like Remy kind of sucks now, and he's he's kind of he's kind of suck. I, I don't. Yeah, I he, he mean, had his moments. Sucks. I think he did have good. his moments at Chelsea, though. Did he? I, I mean, mean, maybe he, like in a in a in a Carling Cup match or something. There were a few Premier League games where he came in as a substitute or had to lead the line because Costa's hamstring um, disappeared on him or something like that. I I feel like. There's no way I'll bring him into my team, but I do feel like there is some dormant potential there. No, I mean, I, I think it's a reasonable question for him to ask. I, I just, I, I, you know, since like Remy joined the Premier League three seasons ago or whatever, however long it's been now, we've been like, we've been waiting for this like Remy who's awesome to show up and it's never yeah. actually happened. And so uh, I don't, I, I certainly don't expect it to happen now as the backup striker at Crystal Palace. Right. Even right. if he does play with him, I, I don't think that, uh, and also I'm not even, I mean, they don't, do they play a two striker formation? I mean, I, I don't really know. I guess he could, 
I mean, good I for, for the I, love of God, Pardew see. needs to change something, and maybe he does go to it. Maybe now that yeah. he has two out and out strikers, he can do that. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like he's like he's your like your sixty five minute substitute, right? He's right. not he's not a ninety minute player. So, anyway, well, all right. Spe- speaking of second string uh, strikers, Josh, <laughs> let's move on to Everton and their their big money deal at the end of the transfer window. Enter Valencia from West Ham. <laughs> How is this the only thing that happened for? I feel like they were in for every single player in every single league. Yeah, like they, they, they had, they had a bad, bad Kone. They had um, who were they going like to bring Ronaldo. into the midfield? Uh, Cristiano was, Ronaldo was was rumored for a while. <laughs> Everyone was was you know I know Messi. It felt like Everton was like let's just float our name for every single candidate. I don't yeah, I don't care you, if you've got that Stephen Pinar money to spend. I mean that's yeah. the, the Pinar pounds. What a disappointing move for them. They were in for all these strikers too, and none of it happened. And, uh, I think Sissoko was was almost rumored to move. And he, anyway, so we're left with Valencia, five point five million forward. Uh, it showed a lot of promise at times, right? Yeah. I think we can both agree that he's kind of a he, he's a fun player to watch. Um, yeah. I think he's a better player than the good Kone, and yeah. so I think he'll. He'll be your he'll be your backup striker. But why? But I, <laughs> it just seems so ludicrous that they would replace good Kone with a guy who may or may not be better than the good Kone. He, I think he's better than silly. the good Kone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I actually I'm a little it, I'm surprised he didn't actually do. But see, uh, Valencia had four goals and two assists last year, four goals and six assists the season before. But I felt like there was a moment maybe. You know, like a third of the way through the season last year, where where Valencia and Payet were this awesome combination, yeah. and they looked so dangerous. Yeah. And you thought, God, like this is this is like the Valencia that we saw, you know, playing for playing for Ecuador, you know, in the, in the World Cup, and like it's really it's all happening, and it just uh, I, it just hasn't really happened. I feel like a few fantasy managers got burned earlier in the season. They saw Carroll was injured and hoping that Payet was going to come back sooner th- rather than later. And Valencia was a lot of people's third striker, and it just hasn't panned out. And yeah, it's it's not yeah. going to happen at Everton. I, I uh, would now now without a Lukaku injury, and that guy is just not the kind of guy who gets. He's not an Andy Carroll type, you know. He's going to play. I generally like this Everton squad. I think that it's it's a shallow squad. I think uh, yeah. in many ways, but I, I think it'll still do pretty well on the coming weeks. I think so too. I mean, seven from nine so far. That's pretty impressive. And with a great run of fixtures to come, I mean, they should be in the top four. Uh, let's see. Look at their next. Um, I mean, we talked about Everton a lot in earlier podcasts, but yeah, the next four fixtures. You know, way to Sunderland, home to Middlesbrough, away to Bournemouth, home to Crystal Palace. Uh, those are all great fixtures. Uh, I'm certainly looking at um, at um, at Lukaku, and I, I imagine you are as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um... There is that second striker that is gonna go to. I mean, you're looking at the the strikers who are in that eight eight to ten million range, or even I mean, Harry Kane um, is also in that conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's just as liable to get off the mark. I mean, Kane is doesn't look like he's gonna score over the international break like Lukaku has, but um, you know you can know. afford Kane. I like that Kane away, you know, Kane plays away to Stoke in game week four, and I, I really like that match for him, but uh, I can't, I, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to be bringing in Kane, but I, I do like, um, I don't know, I mean, it's just, he's too good for for this this slump to go on much longer, right? I mean, we know he's a good player, I mean, yeah, yeah so it's just, he's a little jaded, he's played too much. Anyway, so no, that's enough. It's no longer yeah. August, so he, yeah. he's liable to score at any point now. All right, so that's enough on Everton, right? That's enough on Everton, yep. Uh, on to Hull City. 
there's well, there's several players to talk about, but there's only one player that matters, Brandon, and that is Dea Mercy Membakani. I thought he was. We have to settle on. Can can we think of a song that I like? I can cut in like a little like like heavy metal guitar before we mention Mobukani's name. Someone's gonna have. I don't care if it's heavy metal or if it's classical music. Okay, write in on Twitter or Facebook. Let us know what what little snippet of song should we play every time that we mention Mbakani. We need to know. He's our he's our bow. Yeah. Best player in the Premier League is finally back. I thought he was going to be the first 20 million player. And I was shocked when they brought him in at 5.5 million. That's a steal at 5.5 million. Really uh, my is. notes here indicate that he's a 5.5 million well-rounded complete player forward. <laughs> uh, he, he can do he can do it all, Brandon. And uh, the he, problem is he shares too much. He cares too much. He's a triple threat. He can shoot, he can pass, and he can catch, which means you could also play him in goalkeeper if you wanted to. Uh, Norwich scored 60 goals last season, and he was the assist to the assist on every single one of those goals, <laughs> including the seven that he scored himself. <laughs> it's incredibly pat. It's the, it's the old give and go, right? Yeah. And, uh, Andrew McVitie said, uh, is Mbakani uh, worth it to bring in for a hit? Uh, and I said, I wouldn't do it for any more than minus 32. That's my, that's my limit, I think, right? 32, burn burn 32. Do, I mean, obviously, we should all be rearranging our team to bring in Mbakani. Uh, but... <laughs> Does you he know, slot in like immediately? <laughs> does does he start immediately in this whole squad? Uh, he, he might. Um, I mean, is he better than Diamande? Okay, I mean, like let's 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 put our love for Mbakani aside for one second here. Uh, I think he probably. I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I you know, Diamande is actually a pretty good player, and he's played pretty well to start the season. So I think it's going to be suppose, another Norwich situation where he's probably just as good as. I mean, Cameron Jerome, there's no explaining that one. But no. I feel like he's going to get uh, like 50% of the starts. I mean, part of our love from Rembicani stems from our frustration last year that he was stuck on the bench when Cameron Jerome was missing shot after shot after shot. And it was just, it was maddening because, I mean, he scored seven goals and had one assist. It wasn't like he scored one goal and we're just totally playing up some guy who's awful. You know, he yeah. actually has a pretty good scoring mark over the years. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're really, we're holding on hope for it. If we ever do an always cheating t-shirt, there can only be one player that is on the always cheating <laughs> shirt, which is, which is Dia Mercy and Bacani. Absolutely. Uh, spe- spe- speaking of, we need to direct our listeners to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash always cheating, where Mitchell Maynard, who has done lots of uh, Photoshop movie posters for us, has done a great one of uh, DMRC Mobicani in the new movie Freedom Land. He's free. <laughs> he is free. He's finally free. Thank, thank you, Mbakani. Uh, all right, but we have, we have more to talk about with Hull, amazingly. Um, David Marshall, a 4.5 million goalkeeper, Scottish international, uh, former Cardiff goalkeeper. I think he was actually the captain of the Cardiff, uh, Cardiff squad. Uh, he signed. Um, it's a permanent deal, uh, which is a little surprising. And um, I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm saying that. Like, <laughs> no way would, <laughs> uh, would, would, he, would he ever leave Cardiff in the championship. But he uh, he signed, and I, the question is: Is he going to start over uh, over Jaku um, immediately? And I think the answer is he probably will. I mean, I, maybe they give him one week, kind of like the way Wayne Hennessy got one week before Mandanda uh, <laughs> displaced him, uh, Crystal Palace. But I do think that um, I think Dave Marshall is your new starting goalkeeper for Hull. Do you do you agree? 
Yes, no, that that is the consensus opinion, and yeah, and and now so Jakubovic makes no sense to have in your team because his his price has risen to four point one, and. Yeah. If, you, if you're wild carding, uh, Jordan Pickford is clearly the player that you'd want if you if you want yeah. that four million goalkeeper. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, a couple other players to t- talk about here. Just actually, just one more, uh, which is uh, Ryan Mason. I talked about at the start of the podcast. Uh, he was a, a straight signing from Tottenham, which surprised me a little bit. I thought maybe he'd be alone, you know. Try yeah, to, and he. I mean, because yeah. he'd been with Spurs for his whole career, I think, or, or close to it. Um, yeah. But he, he, was, he, I think he's. Like, we we brought him up when talking about Jack Wilshire, and I do wonder to what extent he was flattered by the the buccaneering system in which he played. I mean, when he was yeah. when he was when he got minutes for Spurs, he found himself in goal scoring positions an awful lot, which is appealing. But I mean that that team was basically that Spurs team was designed to create goal scoring opportunities for everyone uh, beyond the the back four. Yeah, exactly. So I think that. Um, yeah, I think that he's, um, you know, he was disappointing last season. Uh, he had one goal and four assists the year before that. So I don't know. Is he anybody, is he in your radar at all? I mean, 4.9, I mean, I wouldn't be even considering him if he was even 5.5, but at 4.9 million, maybe he's an option as a fifth midfielder. Yeah, I, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't work his way into the starting 11 right away. So, yeah. I mean, a guy who could maybe get you. Uh, two to three points guaranteed every week at 4.9 particularly if you're trying to shoehorn in these really expensive players we're we're talking about elsewhere yeah yeah why not yeah Yeah, why not exactly uh final question here from guy yet says uh how many weeks before snodgrass hits nine million uh hashtag the snod is god uh (laughs) i like that it's (laughs) happy uh it would take some work right point let's see point three million a week times 10 weeks even then, it gets only to eight point five million. So it's going to be a few at least, seasons. At least Twelve weeks. Yes, a few seasons. <laughs> but it, it is it is Snotty's time, though. Hat trick for Scotland over the international break. Nine point Not 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 too far fetched. Yeah, I wish their fixtures were a little better. Um, away to Burnley is pretty good, but then it's uh, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea, three matches in a row. Not awesome. I, I do uh, want right. to. I do want to stress uh, Mobakani aside, and Snodgrass aside, and Ryan Mason aside. Whole City is still a terrible team, so don't get too excited. <laughs> hey, six points from nine, not bad. Leicester City, uh, Islam Salmani, uh, eight point five million forward, a twenty-eight-year-old Algerian international. Uh, played for Sporting last year, uh, scored uh, 27 goals last year, and in kind of a cool side note, he also scored twice in the 2014 World Cup. I think this is a very interesting signing, and I don't know if he was on the Leicester City radar for a while or if it happened right at the end. I just remember him kind of like on, on deadline day, I suddenly was like, oh yeah, Leicester City, Leicester City's getting Slimani for 30 million pounds or something like that, uh, and it was a very surprising move. Throw this one in the pile of interesting signings that are completely unplayable in FPL. Eight point five million, uh, untested striker, n- new to the league. There's there's no way you can bring him into your squad. And the if he's Algerian, gonna, yeah, the Algerian link up with Mares is kind of intriguing. I mean, just oh, I, you know, just okay. because they you know they they theoretically have played together for many years, right? In the that's uh, true. Yeah, in the true. internationals. So I, I think Chemist- that is you kind have of, to count chemistry. And, and twenty-seven goals in in the Portuguese Liga is is, is very impressive. Like that is a, that is a tough league, and um, you know. So I think that. Uh, so why wasn't Okazaki linked with Everton? That's my question. 
because yeah. clearly this is the last we see of uh, all of these guys, Okazaki, Ajoa. Um, yeah. I don't know what this means for Musa um, either. And Musa, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that ship has sailed already. Maybe they're going to go with like a four-striker formation. <laughs> swarm. They're just going to swarm. <laughs> the flying yeah, V. Yeah, you're going to have like a 4-2-4. Four, four. And so it's like four defenders, and then you get Danny Drinkwater and uh, whoever the, the guy was that signed to be their defensive midfielder. And then you just got Mares and Vardy and Musa and um, Slomani just all just waves across the front. Every game is going to be like six to five. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and they could just play Flight of the Bumblebee in the background. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, right, so, so interesting. Uh, yeah, interesting player. I I agree. I mean, at, at that price, it's it's a very hard player to take a. Fl- and this is like the year of interesting players that are too like interesting forwards are too expensive to to bring. I mean, like there you could you could come up with a list of like five of these players, all of whom are really interesting. And yeah, you know, I mean, you've got um, Batshuayi. And and uh, and Lucas Perez, uh, and one of them is going to be is is going to come good, but it's yeah. Yeah, it's like flip a, flip a coin right now. It's it's really hard to say which one. Right. Okay. So next up, it's Liverpool. They made no interesting signings of note late in the transfer window. So Josh, I propose we actually take a quick break and we come back and run through the rest of these teams. Let's do it. Same old podcast, always cheating. We're back, and we're talking about new signings and loans. The first team back is Manchester City. Uh, only one signing to talk about here, which is Claudio Bravo, uh, 5.5 million keeper, 33 years old, uh, last two years at Barcelona. Uh, well, Willy Caballero, it was fun while it lasted. I uh, enjoyed his, <laughs> his gleaming bald head. I mean, he's kind of a <laughs> weird Skeletor-looking looking guy. Um, I, I do it didn't wish look- he also didn't play well at all. No. <laughs> Willie Caballero was a lot. Of- <laughs> I mean, that that is that yeah. is how how much Pep Guardiola must have hated Joe Hart to to do that to Joe Hart at the start of the season. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Bra- Bravo is straight in. If uh, but the problem is nobody has any great faith in the city defense at the moment. So if you're going to spend five point five, why isn't it Czech or De Gea at this point? So Bravo is sort of a. a it's not he's not on my radar at the moment. Yeah. And if the city defense finally puts it all together, you probably just want John Stones, yeah. who is, you know, half a million cheaper. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, John Stones might even be point. at 4.9 in the, in the next few weeks. Yeah, all the people it, are dropping oh God, sinking like a stone. Am I the first I, one to, to pull that one headline up? <laughs> I haven't even looked. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, he's probably already at 4.9. Uh, all right. Uh, Man United, uh, no new signings post Paul Pogba, so we're going to jump by them. They've, we've talked about every Man U player to death already. Uh, Middlesbrough. Um, yeah. And by the way, we're, we're over – we're really trying our best with Middlesbrough here because we, I don't think we've had a podcast yet where someone hasn't come on to uh, to give us a, a little – I mean, a little – it's always very cheerful, but they give us a little cheerful hell about uh, how we pronounce Middlesbrough. So uh, only yeah, one we, we, talk- <laughs> we, we do respect the culture of Middlesbrough. We, we love you, uh, but we would also like you to respect uh, our culture of uh, mushmouth <laughs> Midwestern pronunciation and being ugly Americans. Uh, <laughs> uh, only one sign to talk about at Middlesbrough, which is uh, Callum Chambers, uh, 4.5 million. Got to think there's a reasonable chance he'll be starting off the bat or he wouldn't have signed with with Middlesbrough. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, Four point five. What I mean, if we all have George Friend at this point, though, so are you going to double up with Callum Chambers and George Friend? 
I'm going to actually just triple up on Callum Chambers. I'm just going to have three Callum Chambers in my defense. Just three Callum Chambers, and then uh, what that leaves you with, 12 spots for Mobicani? Yeah, 12 Mobicani's, three Callum Chambers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair enough. I, I think Middlesbrough's, uh, they've got a, a really Wait, top. What, what did you say, Brennan? Middles what? Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. <laughs> Is there is there like a rolling R there? Like is there sort of a bro middles bro? Well, it's that it just I pulled it from Wikipedia and it's a B R with a backwards E. So well, it's backwards and upside down, as if this is a character <laughs> that it's like Cyrillic, as far as I can tell. Okay, so so <laughs> yeah, uh, middles bra. Um, they they seem like a top squad. They're going to keep some clean sheets. If sure. you don't already have yeah. George, if you already don't have George Friend, why not go in for Callum Chambers? Uh, sure, sure, yeah, guy's class. I know it feels like a, like a broken record, but so many of these signings, it's like it might take a couple of weeks for the for the, everything to sort itself out. You know, I mean, last year, uh, I don't think that um, uh, Fuchs or uh, Denny Simpson were even starting for Leicester uh, until that really bad loss to Arsenal in game week four, five, six, whatever it was. Uh, and they ended up becoming two of the most valuable players in anybody. I mean, I had Danny Simpson only be the last 20 weeks of last season. Uh, so it does take a little while to, for everything to sort itself out. But I think usually by week eight, nine, ten, you really know who the who the starters are in these squads. So, All right, so, so uh, speaking, speaking of uh, pronunciation, difficult pronunciation, Josh, we're moving on to Southampton. And mm-hmm. Sofiane Buffal, Am I, do you think I'm saying that correctly? I have the, no idea. Their new midfield signing? Cannot tell you. No idea. So 5.8 midfielder. Uh, I'm just reading off your notes here, Josh. He's 22 years old. 14 goals, Please 10 do. assists in 18 months with Lille. So that's uh, that's the great uh, French league asterisk that we put next to the <laughs> stats. Um, hey, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic wasn't owned by a lot of managers because of that French league asterisk. So there's yeah. there's still quality in that league. I I am not I'm not arguing one way or another, but I know a lot of people have certain built-in biases against the French league. So there he is. I mean, uh, that's quite an output over the last 18 months from a midfielder. Uh, uh, but uh, he he does have some drawbacks, does he not? Uh, he does. Uh, thank you for the setup there. Uh, he had uh, it's a, bit, a bit of a temper issue. Uh, Ten yellows and two reds last season. Uh, my cons- so before, you know, seven million, uh, a bit too expensive to bring in right away. I would say my bigger concern here is what it does to Nathan Redmond, because it seems in some ways like he is a very similar player to Nathan Redmond. Uh, and I just, you know, as long as Redmond is still playing as an out-of-position striker, that's fine. Uh, but we saw them go with a two-striker formation away to uh, Man U, and he moved back into the diamonds. So maybe could move Redmond to the bench if he doesn't deliver. I don't know. So I, Buffalo is an interesting player. He's pretty young still, you know, 22. So um, he's, you know, he's one to watch. Let's just say it. We'll leave it at that. Neither of us have right. ever seen him play. Neither of us can even pronounce his name. So, you know. Who knows? <laughs> Southampton team is still a little weird to me. I, 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 they're not settled at all, and it's hard to see where they're going to uh, be yeah. situated in the table come Christmas time. So I, I'm yeah. I'm really undecided on any Southampton asset. I do have faith in their scouting and faith in their system. So I, I, I think it'll it always works out with them, doesn't it? Every year, it's true. It's true. For everybody's doubts, it always does work out. Stoke City, Wilford Boney, seven point three million. What do you think? This is one of the, one that I'm probably most excited about. 
late moves in the transfer window. I think it's an amazing signing for Stoke. Um, yeah, if they can have all their their tricky midfielders um, build up around Boney, who's just a classic number nine, I think yep. it works. I think it works. I think so, too. Uh, I think that you're talking like a man is bringing Boney in in his wild card. And uh, I'd be a little nervous if you do, you know, because it was only two years ago when he played a full season for Swansea before he moved to Man City. And, you know, I was never really a fit in Man City. And I, whether that's because of his own lack of quality or a system thing, I, I don't really know. Uh, but certainly for the season and a half that he was at Swansea, he looked fantastic. And and that 13-14 season, he had 17 goals, four assists, and 21 bonus points. So he was really... Um, you know, which 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 would be indicative of a player who was doing more than just scoring goals. That he was, you know, creating chances and, and passing the ball around a lot. So I think he does uh, have a great touch on the ball. He has a great feel mm-hmm. for the ball, and if yeah. he if he develops any chemistry with that midfield, I, I think he'll be a really lethal FPL asset. Yeah. He's such a perfect fit for that squad, right? All these like washed up great talents, you know. So yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was, yeah, he, he came into the season out of shape last year, you know, and he was, he was lumbering around and he, he filled in for Aguero and worked out okay for a while. And then, and then he basically, uh, worked his way out of the squad and ba- I barely played the last, you know, what, 30 weeks of last season. I mean, Ineacho basically just took that spot from him. So can we propose that Wilford Boney is the good doof? The good doof. Yeah. He's the good doof. <laughs> uh, all right. Sunderland. Uh, two players to note here. One is uh, Javi Manquillo, who you may remember from when he was at Liverpool. Uh, 4.5 million defender. He did play this weekend. So, I don't know. I mean, eventually I think that Sunderland will, will will play better. They'll have a better defense. Maybe he's a player to keep an eye out for. I don't remember rating Manquillo that highly when he was when he was playing for Liverpool. Do you? I mean, I don't know. I have no memory of him whatsoever, to be perfectly frank. Okay. All right. Well, we'll just leave it at that then. Uh, Didier Indong, uh, five million midfielder. He's a defensive midfielder, so he's a player to avoid. I unless... love your note. I love your note here. It just says <laughs> blankly avoid. Avoid. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, unless you know, it turns into what's the name of that Watford. Uh, uh, I mean, we have a Kapue situation on our hands or something, but yeah. no, I think yeah. we'll probably safely avoid him. It's like the uh, Domino's Pizza commercials, uh, avoiding the Noid. So he's DDA Noid. So <laughs> we will we will avoid him. Wow. Moving yeah. on, Josh. Yeah, I'm on uh, fire right now. <laughs> okay, Swansea. Now this is a player that if if you've been drifting through this podcast for the last two and a half hours or so, uh, stop quickly. Listen to this because I I am I have convinced myself that Borja Boston Boston. However you say his name, probably not Boston, like Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, Boston uh, is going to be a player to watch this year for Swansea. Let me tell you why. Uh, he uh, so he's, he actually signed a couple weeks ago, but he's been injured, and he's in line to start the Chelsea match. Uh, he had 18 goals in La Liga last year for Ibar, uh, and per this Fox Sports article I read, and when is Fox Sports ever wrong, Brandon? Uh, he's a poster. Virtually never. With 16 of his strikes coming from inside the 18-yard box and half a dozen come from inside the six-yard box. Now, what does this mean? He's not a very complete player. Does that matter for FPL? It does not. No. I love a poacher. Clint Dempsey, one of the great poachers the Premier League has ever seen, was fantastic in EPL or, or in FPL. Uh, absolutely fantastic FPL player. 
Um, and I'm not saying that he can put up a Dempsey-esque, uh, well, first of all, he's a forward, not a midfielder, but I think that he is an uh, interesting player to watch. He's 6.9 million. Swansea don't have good fixtures right now, but just like, keep an eye on him, you know, like, let's just see what happens over the next <laughs> few weeks, because I really think that he is a very interesting and exciting player. Uh, I, I will watch along with you, Josh, uh, if I ever get a chance to watch this dog shit Swansea team that will do nothing this entire season. Maybe. Maybe. I think, yeah, maybe he's the next uh, uh, Mishu, you know? Anything's possible. <laughs> All right, you handle the next one. You go. Okay, so Tottenham, their, their big late signing, uh, Musa Sissoko from Newcastle. I mean, the best thing he's done in the last year was um, play his ass off in the Euro Cup final, where it looked like he was trying to play himself into this Tottenham squad in the middle of that match. His marauding runs in the Euros were were, were really the best of what Sissoko can offer. Yep. Um, but as a lot of people point out, uh, his performance at Newcastle over the last year, in which they were relegated, um, just absolutely criminal. So there is therein yeah. lies the the question is which Sissoko shows up and and how how does he fit into that Spurs squad? Yeah, is he is he mercurial or is he indifferent? You know, is he? It doesn't matter. It probably doesn't matter. It just means that I don't. I thought his price was a little high too, right? Didn't you think that seven million was a little high? I think that's extremely think highest, high. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't I don't see it right now with Sissoko. I, it I don't even know me, how he fits into that squad. I th- it screams to me squad depth in that he yeah. probably uh, – he must have been signed with the assumption that he's not going to start in any league matches. But if an injury happens and they need, they need to rest somebody for Champions League, Sissoko yeah. gets to play against the Burnleys and the whole cities of the world. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He was probably named. I, I can't remember when you had to list the Champions League squads. He was probably named to the Champions League squads. He could probably play in that. So, I, I mean, it does make sense for squad depth uh, to bring someone like him in. But I, I don't think he's a, he's not a player I highly rate as a fantasy asset, at least for the time being. So, let's no, just no. Leave, it, leave, it, leave it at that. Right. Uh, Watford. Um, we talked about Daniel Daryl Yamat a little bit in the last podcast. Um, he's $5 million. Um, Two goals and four assists in the uh, 15-16 season. One goal and eight assists in the 14-15 season. Um, you know, five million. I, I wish he was. If he was 4.5, I think he would be an absolutely fantastic player. I would absolutely be, be looking to bring him out of my team. But I think at five million, on a, on a Watford team that looks pretty awful so far, yeah. I, I'm not really seeing it. I agree. When, when Yama was in Newcastle, I. I liked him. I really liked him. For some reason, yeah. I'm drawn to, to Jan Mott. I think he's a wonderful player, but agreed. 5.0 on a bad Watford team that doesn't yeah. look like they offer a lot going forward. I guess I, I didn't mean to jump on your case with Swansea because there are bad teams that will score goals throughout the right. season. There right. are great players on bad teams that you can't discount. And well, Jan Mott, yeah, you have to keep an eye on him because he could could be a guy, just like he was at Newcastle, that will provide you points game week in, game week out, even though the team is doing really terribly behind him. I think we can we can probably skip over Kennedy here, but uh, the one player I wanted to, to note, too, was uh, Roberto Perea, 
who is a six million midfielder and someone that a lot of people rate really highly. Um, he uh, scored in his debut match for Arsenal. He was the player that scored in, the, in Arsenal's three uh, one win. Uh, he's uh, twenty five years old and he's played thirty six matches for Juve in the last two seasons. Uh, it's thirteen million deal. Uh, probably just couldn't get into that squad, but um, I don't know. I think he's uh, he's he's a player to to keep an eye on too. Um, Watford, it's, it's interesting because some of these players we're talking about are going to squads that are just about to enter this, like, four-match <laughs> run of terrible fixtures, right. you know, Hull and right. Hull and Swansea and uh, and Watford are like this. So, like, come game week eight, I think that someone like Perea could be a really uh, interesting option. But um, I, I wish he was – if he was 5.5, I would be all over that guy. But I think at 6 million, it's like it just, just prices me out. Josh, this has all just been prelude to the main events. <laughs> Nacer Chadley and West Bromwich Albion. Finally, they're together. We've been hoping for it ever since the, the dawn of the Chadley era, and it's finally yeah. here. 6.4 yeah. million midfielder playing yeah. under Tony, Tony Pulis, like chocolate and peanut butter. <laughs> uh, we have some questions. Uh, Owen O'Keefe says, can Chadley do the biz for West Brom? Another decent differential. Byron James says, surely it's Chadley at 6.4 hours with a shout following West Brom move. Steve Sunshine says, thoughts on Chadley as a cheap midfielder now that he's confirmed at West Brom. Scored decent points in the FPL for Spurs when he played. Uh, what do you think, Brandon? It's, it is a fact that when he did play for Spurs, I mean, he, he had uh, spurts last season and, and the season prior where even at coming in as a, as a sub, he'd get a game-winning goal and he'd come into some bonus points. So Chadley, Chadley does have an upside. You, you can't say that he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and and it's a little bit like the Wilshire signing at Bournemouth that Chadley can slot into a team where he becomes a focal point, and then how does that does that even further increase his output, or does that just render him useless because he's only as good as the people he's surrounded by? And just can you imagine a player going to West Brom and playing well? I mean, that, that, that's really what it boils down to for me. I mean, I know he had you know he had eleven and six, uh, eleven goals, six assists in the uh, fourteen fifteen season, but I mean, God, that that. Are they ever going to tr- – I mean, like, it must be so frustrating as a West Brom fan. I know this is, like, the theme of this year. You know, we have uh, so many – so many people who listen to the podcast are, are West Brom fans. Um, like, way out of proportion, I would say. You know? It's like so, – Josh, you, you brought up the subject of chemistry when we're talking about Leicester and the Algerian connection. So here yeah. you have this very continental Belgian player coming from a Buccaneering Spurs team, and now he's playing – in a West Brom midfielder surrounded by Northern Irishmen, Scotsmen, Englishmen. <laughs> I'm concerned just on a pure chemistry level how Chadley yeah, works out. I mean, it, it's hard to imagine that, like, Harry Kane and Nathan Chadley were going to the bars after the match either, though. You know, it's... That's true. <laughs> I think that he's interesting, but I, I just... It's 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 not you, Nacer, It's Pulis. And I just... <laughs> the player who excites me that they brought in is actually Brendan Galloway. Uh, it's a 4.5 million. I think he's a loan deal. I can't remember if he's a loan or a signing, but he uh, he looked really good in his first match. I thought, yeah, and, and he played uh, he played really nicely for Everton last year when uh, there were some injuries happening in that back line. So I feel like he's already been blooded in the league, and and now here yep. he is potentially getting a full time starting role. And his ownership, well, this is actually as of last week, but I, I doubt it's crept that much higher. It was a uh, actually I can update it right now. It was it was 0.2 percent last week. So let's see what it's gotten up to now. 
up to point three. So from point two to point three, he is uh, he's moving on up. But when you consider that uh, Macaulay is owned by 20, 20.4% of managers and uh, Jenny Evans is owned by 7.8% of managers, Foster's owned by 15%, and then maybe Galloway is kind of interesting as a as a uh, slight differential in that West Brom team. He's a slight differential, and he saves you. Uh, he saves you point one on Macaulay. Yeah, actually, point two on Macaulay. Macaulay's up to four point seven now. Oh wow! Okay, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, the value of West Brom keeps rising, and their Galloway is to service your every need. <laughs> yeah, and I guess I'd probably ha- I'd rather have Galloway than Johnny Evans, just given Johnny Evans' injury record. You know, Johnny Evans is a fun player to have when he is healthy because he tends to rack up bonus points, but he can't stay healthy. So uh, it's a little safer because you never want to. I mean, you know, you bring in Galloway as your third or fourth defender and you never wanted to make a move. You never want to burn a transfer on a third or fourth defender. So it's probably a little safer with him. Right. Uh, right. All right. Our last team, uh, West Ham, uh, Simone Jaja. Uh, we talked about him a little bit in the last podcast. You are not excited about this. This 25-year-old 6-1 striker. So it, it, following West Ham's social media, they have been posting all these vines of Jaja scoring goals in training. And everyone's like, ah, oh, he looks really great in training. But if you look at these videos, it's him just dribbling the ball up to a goalkeeper and blasting the ball into the net from like 10 feet away. Um I don't well, know. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to hate. I don't want to hate on this guy before we see him play in the league. But he's another one where he's just priced out of the game at seven point oh. I think at seven million, he's actually uh, he's he's a reasonable price. I mean, given how good. The, so I think that you know the thing about um, about Zaza, and you know, I think both of us both of us listen to the Stats Bomb podcast, which which is a podcast I think both of us would recommend. Um, not really about the fantasy game, but just kind of interesting to talk about. Um, uh, sort of more like a, a, st- a statistician's perspective on players in the Premier League, um, but you know they don't rate Zaza that highly. Uh, but the thing is, he's he's such a great fit for what West Ham need right now. You know, they really, I mean, given that they don't have IU, given that uh, Andy Carroll is is, is going to be injured for. I mean, honestly, when is he not injured? Right? I mean, Carroll right. is just like walking around with a crutch at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think that, you know, it, he's a good fit for that squad and they have a pretty good run of fixtures coming out. So I wouldn't be surprised if he came out firing right out of the gate. Um, I'm not planning to bring him in, but, um, I understand if you do. Okay. So I, I can predict that, uh, perhaps my cynicism is rooted in me not wanting to, as you had said earlier, Josh, me not wanting to fall in love with Jaja. Yeah. Uh, uh, because yes, there is there is a distinct possibility that he comes out firing, and there is there is a temptation there. I, I'm I am tempted right now. I mean, I am tempted by so many of these of these strikers. I yeah, I'm tempted by Boney. I'm tempted by Jaja. I'm tempted by all the eight point five million guys. Uh, it's it's all a kind of wait and see though. This is this is actually why I'm I'm feeling good about not playing my wild card right now. I'm I'm, I'm going to try to hold out until like game week eight if I can. Uh, because I hope to have a better sense of where everything is. I, I understand your rationale for, for doing the wild card. I think if I was in your situation, I would do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but because um, I, I think my fi- the fixtures for me are just good enough. I mean, I have, I don't know. It's like I, I and like I'm almost on the fence, but I think I can. I, I think I can. I can. I'm not going to get so screwed this week that yeah. that I need to play wild card. Uh, just one other player to note here: uh, Alvaro Arbeloa. Uh, who's uh, 33, joins in a free from Real Madrid, uh, six-foot fullback, which is pretty tall for a fullback. Um, and uh, he was part of the uh, the Spanish team that won the um, the 2012 Heroes. 
and has um, kind of a record of getting into fights with uh, with teammates. Uh, I know that he and Iker Casillas apparently have a longstanding feud. Uh, cool, but yeah, but he's a he's a five million defender. Um, probably going to slot right in right away. I don't think he would have joined from Real if he wasn't going to be playing every single game week. And uh, they've got a good run of fixtures coming up. So I think that he's an interesting. Uh, a lot of these players were calling a wait and see, but I actually think you could you could actually bring Arbelo in on your wild card and feel pretty safe about him starting right off the bat. And the next round of fixtures, you know, someone um, uh, Eric uh, Shelvik Medbo says, um, "What to do with West Ham's great fixture run from now on? Attack or defense?" And I suppose I would be investing more in the defense and the attack because um, they're 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 home to Watford, away to West Brom, home to Southampton, home to Middlesbrough, away to Crystal Palace in the next five. These are excellent fixtures, and um, I could see like three clean sheets in those five fixtures. Yeah, I agree. And I think the absence of Pyatt recently uh, does just throw that much more doubt on the West Ham attack. And it could take them a while to get everything flowing. But yeah. they 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 do have a great defense and uh, a solidified defense that they, they uh, Adrian, great goalkeeper, uh, James Collins, has got his 50th Wales cap over this international break. And yeah, and if our, our below of uh, slots right in there, that's that's a that's a great signing for your PL team. Yeah. All right. That's it. We, we went all the way through all 20 squads. Woo. Uh, I hope you're still listening. Uh, we actually have we're going to take a quick break and then we have a few uh, few quick questions we're going to answer. We're going to talk about uh, Ozil and Sanchez, Aguero, and, and then we're going to get out of here. Same old podcast, always shading. And we're back. And the first question we have is a question that a lot of people have asked us. Aiden Green, Jeremiah Johnson, Niall Parker, Lazaros, all ask us some variation on what to do in the Ozil versus Sanchez uh, debate. And you've got one is a 9.5 million midfielder who is, uh, well, okay, let's just, we, everyone knows who Ozil and Sanchez are. Everyone knows what they can do. Uh, <laughs> as, as someone who is, as someone who's wildcarding, Brandon, what do you, how do you, how do you come in on this one? I love the idea of us doing a separate podcast episode where it's just meet Ozil and Sanchez. <laughs> Not yeah. familiar? Here, here's what they're about. <laughs> familiar with two of the most famous players in the world. Well, I, uh, the where I stand on it right now is you can't lose, and it's a budget question. Sanchez is well, at least he's uh, 11.0, where Ozil's 9.5. So there you have it. Who can you fit? It's Sanchez. It, it's uh, the difference is fairly obvious. Sanchez is the more potent goal goal threat, but Ozil probably stands to be more consistent. He's the one doing all the distribution. He's an assist maestro. The concern you have about Ozil now, though, is uh, Cazorla fitting more and more into the attack. You see them sharing dead ball responsibilities. So whereas Mm -hmm. last season Ozil was taking every single uh, corner kick and and dead ball that wasn't a shot um, directly at the goal. Right. I, st- I think that's that's one way to think about it. The other way you can think about it, and I, I don't disagree with you, um, but the other way to think about it could be that because Cazorla can play further back and get the attack started, it actually opens Ozil up to play more forward and to get into the box more often. Um, I, I actually totally agree with you. I think that I would – I'm if I – there's still a chance I, I burned four and I bring in um, an Arsenal player this week. And if I did, I would be bringing in Mesut Ozil. Um, I just like um, 
I like the way he looked in that Watford match. I like his price a lot. I think 9.5 is completely fair. It's and, a bit of um, a steal given what he did last season. Really is. I mean, I know he faded the last 10 weeks or so, but he faded because that team was you know, riddled with injuries and he had to play way too many matches. And, you know, hopefully that won't happen this season. And, you know, he got an excellent rest this year, which I'm really happy about. I think that um, I'm happy as an Arsenal fan because I think that it'll it'll make him a lot better in the long run. So, yeah, I think I think the question is clear. I think it's I think it's Mesodosal and I think. There's probably going to be a time when you're when you're going to let's assume that in three or four weeks you want to have um, Ibra and Aguero again, which most people probably will. Not everybody, but many people will have um, will want to bring those guys back in. You're going to really want that one point five million at that point. Yeah. So that to me is enough to to to, you know, tilt it towards Ozil. So Aiden Green actually asks an interpretation, a different interpretation of this question where it's not strictly Arsenal. He's asking Sanchez or Hazard for the next two game weeks. Now there, Hazard is definitely the, the bandwagon at the moment. Everyone's getting him in as a template. And Sanchez is, I think, the differential going into game week four. It's um, a very interesting question. I mean, you know, the, the move would be... To have Hazard for game week four and then have enough money to bring in Sanchez for game week five, because I love Hazard away to uh, Swansea in game week four. And I love uh, Sanchez away to Hull in game week five. And um, me, well, you know, while uh, you know, in, in a game week five, um, Hazard is home to Liverpool, which is like an OK fixture. But but. Assuming that Liverpool has tightened up a little bit, which they did against Spurs, maybe that's not quite as, as exciting as it was a couple weeks ago. Right. All right, so the next lingering question, of course, we can't go a podcast without talking about dear old Brock Toon, and we, we do have a lot of questions uh, in reference to Brock Toon. The first one comes from Gavin Doyle, who asks, I've spread, I've spread the wildcard riches from Aguero's sale into a kick-ass midfield. So everybody wildcarding, right, is, is in the same boat here. Mm-hmm. Gavin goes on to say, unsure how I'll get him back, though. So we talked about this at the start of the podcast when I dropped the bomb on you, Josh, that I'm wildcarding. Um, Still reeling. Yeah, so we, we have to do some real planning uh, ahead, but I do. I do still stand by. You just have to prepare yourself for. It's sort of like you're bringing in a foster animal. Like you're mm-hmm. bringing a really top quality uh, midfielder, as in a foster cat, into your home, and you have to accept the fact that you're going to have to give them to a better home at some point in the very <laughs> near future. So don't get too attached. Yeah, that, I think that's sort think, of how I'm approaching it. Yeah, I think that I. Um, I, I to me, I, I don't. I, I don't actually get what the big deal is because I feel like it's. Uh, you know, assuming that one of these people you bring in is someone like Sanchez or Hazard, you know, I mean, unless unless your your whole front line is going to be like seven point three million dollar players, just one of your players should be fairly expensive. It should be a Harry Kane. It should be a even even uh, even Costas. You know, like a, like I think it's like nine point seven now. Someone you only need to to find three million to t- convert into Aguero. I mean, the problem is when you need to find like six million. But right. as long as the player you bring in is pretty close in price to Aguero, you're just talking about two moves. Right. You know, I mean, it's it's Ozil to, um, you know, Redmond or something like that, and there's your 3.5 million, and then you've got Sanchez back. Maybe right. you burn four points. Maybe you do it over the course of two weeks. You know, it's it's just not that. I, I, I it just never it's never actually that difficult as long as you're willing to burn four points. Yeah. Right. Um, Siraj Grish says. Hey, Siraj. Uh, 
thoughts on Kane as a replacement for Kuhn? Uh, I think he means Brock Dune. Uh, His form is at flaming garbage level, but could the fixtures make up for it? Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I can can smell the trash (laughs) from here. And (laughs) he's even yet to do anything with England over the break. Yeah. So, um, Kane is is in the wait and see category. It's so tempting because I I feel like everyone is in that same boat. And wouldn't it be wouldn't it be delightful, Josh, if you were the Mm -hmm. first one in on Kane when he actually started (laughs) scoring? Yeah, I love that away match to Stoke in game week four. Love it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That could be that could be the one. I mean, I feel like if you if if you've got a good feeling in your stomach, Siraj, I wouldn't blame you for going for it. But I I am hesitating myself. Uh, Dave Baker says uh, after my meltdown, I've decided not to delete my team just yet. You remember he was our meltdown of our week, meltdown of the week last week, Brandon. Uh, should I stick with both Barkley and Morales until Aguero is back, or take a hit to get someone like Ozilin then stress about how to bring Aguero back in two weeks? Uh... Barkley and Morales. That is a lot of Everton. Uh, I guess that I would not. I'm assuming that he would have to. Yeah, so he has to take a hit. I don't know that I'd burn. Given that they're away to Sunderland in game week four, I don't know that I'd be burning four points uh, to to bring in um, Ozil. I mean, I know. I mean, they're home to Southampton, which is a good fixture, but it's not. It's not great. I mean, this is the same Southampton team that beat Arsenal four nothing last year. You know, it's. Southampton's defense is solid. I mean, they're, you know, they have, I think all three of their, or maybe th- they have like three defenders all playing in international matches today, yeah. um, which, which actually is a little scary. Uh, but I think they all came out of it unscathed. I mean, they, they are, their, their defense is world-class. And so I, I don't know that, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, you know, I think it's reasonable to captain someone like Alexis Sanchez this game week, but I also think that you don't necessarily need to have a, um, an Arsenal midfielder this week. So after Dave's meltdown last week, I feel like the advice we need to give to Dave is first and foremost, like you need to remove all the stress from your life. And I think burning four points is just adding stress to your life. So just take a deep breath, Dave. Be happy with with what you got and just let it ride for a week. And I think we've got a lot to chew on, of course, based on the the three or four hours of content we have in this podcast. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Yeah, I I, I agree. Just just relax and, and wait it out. Wait it out. Yeah, and so thanks, thank you to Simon Scott uh, for your question as well. We didn't have time to get to it, but I think we covered it anyway. So, uh, all right, well, um, that's it, Brandon. Uh, a brief. Br- this is one of our shortest podcasts ever. I think I, we probably clocked this in at just under thirty minutes, which I'm. I don't think we could have done about. it any shorter. At all, man. never, never. <laughs> I know. Really, it's it's. Whenever I propose anything that involves the the expression team by team, I know it's going to get a little bit complicated. <laughs> when we when we did our team previews, did we even intend for them to be two different podcasts, or did we just go like two hours in the first one? And yeah, I re- I really I don't recall. Remember. It'll yeah. be it'll be so much simpler when we actually just get into the season groove. Once we're allowed <laughs> to get on that groove, we can actually just respond to what actually happened in the game week and talk about the game week to come. Life will be so much simpler exactly exactly so thanks for listening everybody you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash always cheating you can find us on twitter twitter.com slash hail cheaters uh you can email us uh at uh hail cheaters at gmail.com what am i missing yeah, and, 
uh, don't don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Listen, I know you're out there. You're just like, oh, I'll, I'll find it somewhere. No, you need to subscribe. That way you <laughs> never miss an episode. Right. Find us on iTunes. If you if you like us, leave us a review. That really helps us. And we, you can also follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio. Like I mentioned at the uh, start of the episode, we're going to be posting links to Google Play starting like now and also Acast. So anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us and uh and we'd love to hear from you for next episode. Right. And good luck this weekend, everybody. I, I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, I, this is a fan. I am really excited about Game Week 4. I mean, there's just a lot of, like, I don't know what's going to happen in these matches. It's like so, so okay, much is so on the table. I, I, I don't want to We just closed the, the, the can of this episode. I'm going to try and open it up again. We're starting off with the Manchester Derby. What What is your prediction there? Yeah, goals or no goals? Yeah. I am going to predict a 2-1 two, two, Manu win with a goal from Zlatan. I'm predicting a 1-1 one, one tie, I think. Yeah, okay. so that's where I'm I going. Like that. I like so, that. Sorry, don't, don't start any of your defenders. <laughs> yeah, maybe Luke Shaw. I'm actually, I'm probably going to start Shaw. I, yeah, so anyway, all right, that's it. Thank you for listening. All right, all right free Mabukani. <laughs> Hail Poku. Oh!